Okay, today uh, is the day we celebrate the gift of God's Holy Spirit given to all people. So today, uh, I thought we could practice our prophetic abilities because one of the chief associated gifts that come with the Spirit is the gift of prophecy, and it's for all people. So you're all prophets, and I'll talk about that in a little bit. But okay, we're going to do a quick exercise. It involves the imagination, specifically envisioning the future. Okay, so get ready, because in a moment, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes, and what you're going to do is create a mental picture of the future, and I'll walk you through it. I'm going to prompt you with specific questions and details, so I'll lead every step of the way. Um, Quick note, some of you may not get mental pictures when you close your eyes and envision things, so all you're going to do is just make a detailed list of the things that you're thinking about when it comes to the future as I'm walking through the questions and prompts, okay? All right, so before we start, I want you to pick one social issue that you care a lot about. One social issue you care a lot about. Another way to think of it is like, what's a big problem in the world that you'd love to see fixed, okay? So here are some options if you're having trouble thinking what I'm, you know, just some examples, but it could be something different than this. All right, big problem, big social problem. You've got it in your minds. All right, here we go. I invite you to close your eyes if that makes you comfortable, if that helps you visualize. Part one, tomorrow morning, a news report comes out about the topic you've chosen. The news is pretty bad. Things seem to be getting worse in this area. Imagine getting the news. How does it make you feel? Picture where you are when you get the news. Are you alone or are you with other people? Are you at home or somewhere else? Picture your surroundings. What do you see? What do you hear? What do you do with the news that you receive? Is there anyone you want to talk about it with? a phone call you want to make, look at social media. What do you do next? How, does, how do you feel as the day goes on? What do you do? Is there anything about your day that changes as a result of this news? Okay, gently pull yourself out of that. Good job. Okay, now we're going to do part Two, part two. So again, I invite you to close your eyes. Now, imagine five years into the future from today. You're five years older, and a news report comes out about the topic you've chosen, and the news this time is overwhelmingly good news. It's a game changer for this particular concern of yours. Maybe there's some new legislation that's passed. Maybe a new scientific discovery or technological development. Whatever it is, it's really good, okay? So picture yourself getting this unbelievably good news. Where are you when you get it this time? Are you alone or with other people? Try to visualize your surroundings five years into the future. What do you see? Are you at home or not at home? Is there anyone you want to talk about it with? Share the news. 
How do you feel as the day goes on? Does anything change about your day? All right, now gently pull yourself back to the present. Well done. Okay, you just envisioned or imagined the future, which is a key component of prophetic ability. See, I told you we're all prophets. It's great. And we're going to explore this in more detail on this Pentecost Sunday. By the way, I got this exercise, or I adapted it from a fascinating new book called Imaginable by Jane McGonigal. Uh, Ms. McGonigal is a researcher and future forecaster who works at the Institute for the Future, 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 Future. It's a not, literally, this is a nonprofit research group in where else? Palo Alto, California, the only place where the Institute for the Future could be. There's just no other place. It's great. And I, this book is one of the most fascinating books because it asks you to like literally take time to imagine different scenarios in the future and see what it does. And I, I mean, I just had so much fun with this book. It was great. But as I was reading, it resonated deeply for me with the idea of prophecy and what we see of all the prophets in the Bible. And I realize as I'm saying this, you know, as I'm talking about prophecy and prophets, one of the confusing things is our association with prophets is that they predict the future. And so you might hear me saying, oh, great, we're all prophets. We can all predict the future. But that's not quite what I'm saying. That can be a component. But the bigger component of prophecy in the Bible anyway is envisioning the future in ways that change and shape behavior today. Okay, so the focus is always on how do we respond to what God is doing today. But envisioning the future works as a spring and it compels us and pulls us forward into that future as we respond and behave today. Okay, so that's what I'm talking about. Here's another uh, quote from Walter Brueggemann, a biblical scholar, from his book called The Prophetic Imagination. Now that's a title the prophetic imagination. He says, it is the vocation of the prophet to keep alive the ministry of imagination. I'm a minister of imagination. I like that. To keep on conjuring and proposing futures alternative to the single one, the king or the powerful people wants to urge as the only thinkable one. In other words, we are envisioning envisioning futures that get out of the status quo, the way the things are fixed and static. And we're saying, no, there's something well beyond that. The future is not a fixed reality. God is free. And God inspires a people who are free to imagine and envision a future and to behave in ways that are consistent with that free future. That's the idea of Pentecost and the Spirit. So um, we are going to jump right in uh, to the story of Pentecost, which we're going to read from the Bible. It pops out to us from Acts chapter 2. At this point in the story, there's a very small group of followers of Jesus. Uh, It happens 50 days after the events of Jesus' death and resurrection. Um, By the way, the word Pentecost literally means 50th. In the Greek. So it's 50 days, seven weeks, seven times seven. Um, So we have the Feast of Passover. That's when Jesus is crucified and resurrected. And then we have the Feast of Pentecost. 
and it would be a, a massive event. Like, think Washington, D.C. on the 4th of July. And that's what Jerusalem is like, just flooded with people, lots of people at Jerusalem, and this is what happens. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now, there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at the sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? And then we get a list of all the people groups represented there, which I'm not going to read. Going halfway. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. In other words, they're drunk. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy And your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whew. Okay. Uh, Peter lands on that million-dollar word, saved. Okay, and we're going to come back to the Christian notion of saved and salvation towards the end, but hold on to that. Um, He actually goes on in the speech, and he details how the events of what they're all witnessing are in line with the events of Jesus's life and death and resurrection. And it's, it's a little bit of a chaotic scene, right? Because all these people, and it's about this number, okay? Imagine every single one of us is speaking in a language we have never learned. And we are just talking out loud as though we know this language. People hearing it, it's comprehensible to them. And they hear like a worship song or a prayer to God in their own native language. People come by, they're like, what's going on? And that's when Peter stands up to interpret what's happening. He draws on the prophet Joel from the Bible. And he uses the prophet Joel and what Joel envisions for the future. Joel's vision is incredibly inclusive. You know, you probably heard it. We get the young and the old, or all ages in between, are included. 
Men and women and all genders are included in Joel's vision. Slaves and free and all levels of status and class and power are included in Joel's vision. And in this story, every nation, every ethnicity is represented as hearing their own languages. They are privileged to hear it in their own tongue. In short, God's spirit, as Joel imagines it, is for everyone. All people. Every human being. Now, check out these lines. This is right from Joel, because this identifies one key aspect of the Holy Spirit. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I'll pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. So Joel and Peter using Joel identify this key aspect of the spirit as prophecy, that everyone who gets God's spirit which is everyone, everyone receives prophetic capabilities. Intriguing, is it not? I love it. Now, this is not actually the only place in the Bible that hints at the spirit for everyone and specifically prophecy for everyone. So there's this great fun story in the book of Numbers, which I know you've all studied rigorously. The book of Numbers, where uh, the Spirit of God falls on 70 elders in the people of Israel. And Moses says this, I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his Spirit on them. Well, Moses, you have your wish because that is what's fulfilled. You all are prophets. Everyone's a prophet. You're a prophet. You're a prophet. You're a pro- we're all prophets prophets. It's awesome. Okay, now, I, I said earlier, and I'll just uh, underscore this again, prophecy is not so much about predicting the future as it is simply envisioning it, dreaming dreams, using our imaginations, our prophetic imaginations. And there are two aspects of envisioning the future that I want to highlight that get that are, I guess we could call them benefits that are associated with this. And by the way, the research is actually now showing this. Like they've done that uh, institute for the future, future, future. They, they do all of these, um, you know, they do research where they'll do experiments where they'll have people think about different scenarios in the future and then they'll put them through different tests and they measure these, okay? And they think that they've identified several benefits just with the mere exercise like what we did earlier, like picturing five years into the future and a good thing happening, that there are associated benefits with that. And here are two of them. Number one, hope. Hope. Envisioning the future depends, get this, on a future existing <laughs> the future is real. It exists. And we are there to enjoy it or do something with it anyway. But it exists. It's there. It sounds basic and kind of easy to overlook that just thinking about the future means you're going to hope in it. Uh, but it's, it's totally there. It, perf- it nurtures a sense of hope that is pretty profound. Hope is also a fundamental gift of God, of God's Holy Spirit. Listen to what Paul says, one of the blessings he offers in his book to the Romans. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in God 
so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, that's tasty. I mean, he, he calls God the God of hope. The God of hope. And that is because God is free. The future is free. It is not fixed. When we read the Bible narrative in the biblical prophets, they do not see the future as a fixed, static reality that there's some kind of fate at work in us that's predetermined. Absolutely not. In fact, there are countless examples in the Bible where the prophets envision a future that changes how people behave in the present and changes the future that the prophet just announced. I mean, the simplest uh, example of this is the prophet Jonah, who says, 40 days and Nineveh will be overturned. That happens in the book of Jonah where he announces this. The people change their behavior, and it doesn't happen. And that's because of the way the future, it, it works. It's free. And so when we talk about the future, we can hope, hope in God, the God of hope, who has good things and desires good things for all people. Benefit number two, agency. Agency. When we use our imaginations to envision the future, we can claim a sense of agency over that future. It's about power. Okay, maybe another word we could use here is empowerment. Empowerment. Our sense of power as individuals and as a collective, is increased when we spend time imagining or envisioning the future. Jesus says as much to his disciples just before he departs from them. These are some of his last words before departing, right in the book of Acts. He says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit brings a sense of empowerment, a sense of agency. We are real people with real agents that can cause real impact and effects in the world. That's granted to us by God. God who is the ultimate agent of of work and change and being in the cosmos. And God confers those gifts of agency and empowerment to us through God's Holy Spirit. So as we imagine a future, we can claim our sense of agency over that future, that we can do things today that will impact that future. Okay, well, this all brings us, I think, back to Peter's speech and that $1 million word that I referenced, salvation or saved. Peter quotes the prophet Joel announcing that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Unfortunately, some Christian traditions try to make a formula out of this, Pray a prayer, a simple prayer, and you are saved. And usually the implication is you're saved from hell, from an eternal torment place. But that is absolutely not at all 
what Peter imagines here when he uses the word saved or salvation. It's not at all what Jesus has in mind when he came preaching about the kingdom of God. It's not what any of the biblical prophets imagined about God's salvation. God's salvation for humankind is a future of justice and peace, courageously embodied and practiced today. That's what the prophets preached. All of them, universally. You literally cannot read one page in the biblical prophets without stumbling on some concern of justice or peace. It is every other paragraph. I mean, it's just always, always there. And it's no surprise that when Jesus came preaching, he did the same thing, announcing good news for whom? For the poor, for the oppressed, for the disempowered, saying there is power now in God. And what they expected was not a future far off eternity. They expected it to change today. That's why it's good news. It's good news for the poor because it's good news for the poor today. We imagine a future where things are more equitable, where there's more justice, where there's more peace. Well, that starts by behaving in ways consistent with that vision today. That's what the prophets imagined. That's what salvation is and what Peter's announcing. So when we consider salvation today, we can connect that directly with God's spirit, God's spirit given to us. And we can start to use our imaginations and to envision a world that is full of God's salvation. And what will that look like? What will salvation look like? It might look a little bit like what it felt like with that practice I gave each of us. That in five years of the future, that exceedingly good news about some social issue, could that not be part of God's salvation enacted in the real world? Salvation, friends, is a world that is free from hunger because there's enough to go around. And the problem we acknowledge is not scarcity, it's human-manufactured scarcity. Salvation is a world without war, without gun violence. Salvation is a world with accessible, holistic health care, including mental health care. Salvation is a world where transgender people experience the safety and flourishing that all people deserve. This is God's salvation. And the more that we spend time envisioning that world and talking about it, dreaming about it, and then acting on it today, the more it will become reality. Now, I know, I know there are limits to this, but we've never even come close to testing how far we can push into it, you know? So yes, maybe it will never, ever, ever be quite there and we need God, God who is the ultimate rescuer. Amen. But let us figure out how far can we press it? How far are we determined to go? How courageously can we embrace and nurture God's vision of the future, of salvation for humankind? What could that look like? That is the promise of Pentecost, the promise of God's spirit enacted today, the hope and agency we claim with God's spirit. Let us once again receive that spirit, receive the hope and agency we are granted. And let's see what happens with the world we are creating, that God is creating with us. Amen.
Okay, let's take a moment. Um, we're going to return in a brief prayer exercise to that five-year period in the future. And we're going to practice that just a little bit more, okay, if you're willing. Now I'm going to invite God's Spirit as we do this. Oh, Holy Spirit, come. We know you're always with us, but it helps us to pay special attention and to invite your presence. So come, Holy Spirit. Help us to envision and imagine a future, what that could look like. It's five years from today, and you're getting exceedingly good news about the social issue you identified that you care about. Imagine that news. Where are you when you receive that news? Are you at home or away from home? Who do you want to share that news with? What does it make you want to do? What do you do next? And let's come back to the present. What, if any, what are things we might do today anticipating that future? How can we enact that future today? Or what are things associated with that news that we could do today in line with God's good future? Holy Spirit, help us to receive that good news. Help us, give us courage and boldness to put it into practice today. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.